Hi, and welcome to the Project Sebastian podcast. My name is Christopher Vellana, and I'll be your host today as we discuss the challenges of being a special needs parent. You see, my son Sebastian has Batten disease CLN8. Like you, I knew nothing about this horrible disease, and I had nowhere to turn to or no one to talk to. Even after having countless tests done, discussions with doctors, a wife at the time, family members, I felt more lost than ever. I was scared all the time, and alone, or so it seemed. After the final diagnosis, almost five years later, I took to the internet to create a podcast to discuss and talk about the very fears and the frustrations that have destroyed a family. Loving my boys was not enough. What I found out was that I am not alone. There are a great number of special needs families out there that are struggling just like me. Also, as we explore, discover, and discuss, we will find that the good, the bad, and the ugly is in all childhood diseases. So sit back and relax and listen as my guests, people like you, such as families, friends, advocates, and doctors, vent and share their experiences along their journey. We will hear the triumphs and the tragedies, and you will get all the support that you may be looking for today on the Project Sebastian podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Project Sebastian podcast. My name is Christopher Villana. I'll be your host while we discuss in the next 35 to 45 minutes cystic fibrosis. And uh, today's guest, Stephen Lee, with a daughter of eight years old. How are you today, Stephen? Good. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing really good. Thank you for coming on. I do appreciate you. I, we, uh, we connected via social media, so we've never met. And I right. appreciate you. Uh, uh, I believe our first email was almost uh, last summer. Was yeah. it? Yeah. Or last spring. Yeah, it's been a while. So what's been going on? Tell us what's happening. Not a lot. You know, it's, it's, uh, I'm sure you know, right, with your son, correct, who has Batten, I think, right? Batten disease, D-L-F-E, yeah. yes. Right, right. So it's, you know, day-to-day sort of battle, you know, it's um, just living one day at a time. I mean, that doesn't mean that you never plan ahead, but you always have to have uh, an audible ready to go, pretty much. You have to have contingencies in place. So that's kind of that's that's right. where we're at. So yeah. uh, what's the name of your daughter? Rebecca. And Rebecca is eight years old? That's right. Okay, that's great. And so she's diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, yes? That's right. Yeah, she was diagnosed four to five days after she was born. Oh, wow. So you've, you, the whole life has been uh, this, this uh, type of uh, situation for her, huh? So, that's right. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your daughter. What's going on? Yeah, so she has, she has the condition cystic fibrosis. It's genetic. Um, and it's recessive, which means um, that when both parents have the gene, then um, any child that they have has a 25% chance of contracting the disease, a 25% chance of not having anything, and a 50% chance of being a carrier. So our son doesn't have any in either one. Samson is four, and um, we only have two kids. Yeah, so Samson's four, and he is on the other end of the spectrum of the 25%. So we don't have any children who are carriers, only carriers. So we have the CF child, and then we have the child that has nothing. That's, uh, so, that's, yeah. that's very interesting because in the Batten world, uh, I have that same situation in my household. And I'm one of the lucky ones, as they would say, because we, we know a lot of families that are suffering from uh, a lot of types of genetic diseases where 
um, they multiple children have it in the family. So um, right. there is a silver lining always somewhere. Yeah, Mr. Lee. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's, you can absolutely, especially when you spend time, right? When you, when the child is diagnosed at such a young age, they're going to spend time most likely in a, in a NICU or PICU situation. And so you, all it takes for you, if you think that you have it bad, go spend some time in a NICU and you'll, you'll soon realize that it could be much worse. So. Yeah. I, uh, I have been in the NICU before and I don't like it. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know there, to be honest. It, it takes tremendous courage and perseverance to be able to have a job like that. So yeah. <laughs> those are the, uh, the heroes, the young sung heroes, as they would say. So we, how did we find out about your daughter's condition? Was it, uh, did we have any tests prior to the birth? No, there was no, because there's, as you probably know, there's, I don't know, hundreds or thousands of different things they could test for. They yeah. only use after the most common ones like downs, right? They test, they pretty much test universally for that. Right. Um, the only, the only thing that we could have possibly done, because we changed hospitals in the middle of my wife's pregnancy, because we didn't feel like at Hospital A, we were getting the attention or the care that we wanted, so we switched to Hospital B. Right. And so the two of them, any, any screening that could have happened, um, they did it in sort of different orders. So we kind of just slid through the, that makes sense, we slid through the corridor of the two. And so we didn't have the testing. And I, and I don't even think it would have been a required or, or a regular thing. But you can technically test for it if you know that CF runs in your family. We had no idea uh, about, we didn't even know what it was. And so we didn't obviously know, right? You don't know what you don't know. And so we didn't know to, to run the tests. Um, my wife had Rebecca at 33 weeks because Rebecca stopped moving in the womb. Oh, wow. And we, it was one of those things where my wife said, oh, this is kind of weird. And, and I even, you know, a lot of times your gut reaction is, okay, well, why don't you just, you know, sit down, relax, wait on it. And my wife said, no, this sound, this feels really weird. So I think, I think I'm going to call the doctor. They had her come in. They did the, they did all the stuff that they do. And they realized that there's a test, right, for, to see how, how fit the baby is in utero. Mm. And so if the baby the score a certain amount, I think it's like Asgard or something, or I don't remember what it is, but <coughs> there's a test that they run. And so Rebecca didn't do well on the test. So they said, okay, well, she's safer out than in. So they did a crash C-section from the time that we figured out, um, or from the time that we were there uh, to the time that, um, the, that Rebecca was delivered was about an hour. Wow. So we had virtual. I mean, yeah, so, and then at first they thought it was heart disease, so that first night was pretty horrific, um, one of the longest nights that I've had, and so they, they hooked her up to the ventilator because she wasn't breathing um, very well, and so they hooked her up to this humongous ventilator, um, and so they also manually were pumping oxygen. So through the whole night, there was a doctor that, I mean, they, they had probably two or three doctors attending to her, and one of, one of them, his, his sole job, was on its timer to because you know they, how they have the little the little pumps yeah like hand and again it's it's connected to this mask that goes over your face and so this one doctor through the whole night and i don't see how you could possibly do this but through the whole night right maybe they did in shifts but his sole job was pumping on pumping air uh into rebecca basically i mean she was hooked up to the ventilator but they were sort of you know, there's this period of going on to the ventilator versus going off of it is my you can't just do it instantaneously so there's like this segue period so that's what that one doctor did was the whole night so you could hear the beeping of the machine and when the beeping happened after the beep he would do the 
two or three puffs of the air, and he just did that for hours. Wow. So, yeah. It's right. So they had to rule that out. So they ruled that out. They didn't know what was going on. And then what they do is they'll conduct a sweat test. And so what happens with CF is that um, salt can't cross the membrane to thin out mucus. Mm. So that's basically what happens. And then and it's a lung condition and it's a gastrointestinal condition. So if mucus gets into your intestines, it makes it so that you cannot absorb the nutrients from the food. And so that's why they need med special medicines. Every time she eats, she pretty much has to take medicine um, so that she can actually absorb the nutrients from the food. And so then the gastro, sorry, the, the lung part is, if she, is the mucus makes it so that you're perpetually sick, you can't breathe well. Oh my God. So every time your daughter eats a meal, she has to have medication for it to help her digest. Otherwise, if it doesn't, then it's going to go into that second part of this illness, which is going to be very traumatic, yes? Oh, sorry, no, they happen simultaneously. So they're, they're in parallel. Oh, yeah, I should have probably, I should have that better. And then depending on which strain of the disease you have as, as a CF patient, you can either be like, let's say 99, you can be as far as like 99% presenting on the lung side and only 1% on the gastro where the gastro medicine for, for you to absorb nutrients isn't really that important. Or you can have minimal symptoms on the lung side and breathe fine all the time, but you have to have heavy medication and you still have, you still struggle to uh, gain any weight. And so Rebecca is the most common Delta F508 and um, she has that in both, both strains. So you can have strain A from parent A and strain B from parent B. But she has, it, she has the same most common strain from both of us, which means that she presents equally on both. So what are the medications called? And, and, and tell us again what they do. Sure. So Creon is the, is the most apparent one. And Creon is what she absolutely has to have when she eats. Okay. To absorb the nutrients. She also has a multivitamin. Um, and it's super powerful. So when you look at the back, it's like when, when you look at the back of the of a bottle for a regular vitamin that you and I take, multivitamin, then the numbers are like 20%, 10%, 100%, maybe 200% in the case of something that we're really deficient in. Yeah. Or Octodex, which is the name of the vitamin that she takes, they're all like in the thousands of percents uh, daily value. Wow. Because she has to have something like that in order to get the normal amount to draw out the normal amount that you and I do from a multivitamin. That's that's incredible. So, yeah. how, does it? Um, well, she. You know, I I'll be honest with you, <laughs> Steve. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I I know nothing about this illness, and it's uh, you are really making me like sad. I'm uncomfortable actually talking about it because I can't imagine what it's like in the day. In a, a day in the life of your daughter can you describe what that's like sure so she the number two the two biggest things that we have on a healthy day the two biggest challenges that rebecca has is her stomach will still hurt uh quite a bit and so she spends a lot of time on the bath in the bathroom mm -hmm. trying to go to the bathroom um trying to pass you know stools and whatnot and um and so her stomach hurts and so we have another medicine called miralax and we give it to her a capful of it every day in like juice or something. It can't be in milk, it has to be in a transparent liquid. Um, and so we give that to her every day. But sometimes it still doesn't help because the, the challenge is 
with all the different medications that she takes, and she takes, I don't know, about a dozen total medications, give or take. Um, about half of those are the are the gastrocyte, and half of them are the are nebulized, like on the um, on the lung side. And so the challenge is, is that they're constantly growing, especially when they're a child. And because they're constantly growing, the amount of medication that has to be tweaked is almost constant. That's why it's it's like every three months, every one to three months, we take her into the CF clinic at Chalk Orange. And um, and so they'll reevaluate, especially on the Creon, because as you gain weight, you need more Creon, um, for instance. And so so it's like a constant battle. And so then she'll grow. She'll have like a really good height to weight ratio, which is the chief um, for the for the gastro stuff. That's the chief metric they use. Our children are really tall. So both of our kids, while they were four years old, were reached four feet tall. So yeah. they're pretty tall. Yeah. So um, Samson is is beyond the 99 percentile in his for his age. He turns five next month. Um, Rebecca was was over 95 percent. She was somewhere in like the 98 percentile. So they're really tall. Which means if you're really tall, then your height to weight ratio is going to be different than if you're very short. And so what will happen is they'll have a really great height to weight ratio of somewhere around 70, 75%. And then Rebecca will hit a growth spurt and then it'll drop down to 50 or 40%. So um, with this growth spurt and CF, are we, are we challenged in the area of, uh, of uh, bone density and is it hard for her to walk? Is she having any apparatuses at this point? Fortunately, that's not the case, at least with most CF people. Um, they, because of the medic, one of the medications that she's on, she's on a, at least she was for the first five years of her life. She was on this, um, she was on Pulmacort, which is a steroid that does stunt your growth, but it's maybe half an inch. Um, but as far as bone density, that's, that has never been communicated to us by her doctors that that's an issue. So fortunately, um, on healthy days, she doesn't even look, you know, like so many chronic illnesses, you can look at someone and not realize the, the, what they're going through. And mm -hmm. so she doesn't present. Now when she's sick, she does. Um, and when she, this, this flu season has been pretty bad. Um, this is the third week, I think third week in a row since October. So it's a, it's third week in a row. Um, only third week in a row that I can remember since about October, uh, that she has not been sick at all. And so fortunately, we've been really fortunate because we stay on top of everything. Uh, and this is, I guess, probably going to segue to other questions that you have. Um, but we, we stay on top of her medications and her treatments and everything. And so therefore she's only been hospitalized once. And that was when she was an infant and just couldn't drink from the bottle because she was coughing and, Wow. Yeah. So fortunately, only one hospitalization. But when she gets sick, then usually they're sick. Like if you and I have a cold or a, or a flu, we might be might be sick. Usually, what a couple of days with a cold, anywhere from that to like if you if we have the flu, it's like a week. Uh, Rebecca or somebody when they when they have CF, especially if they have if they're in the middle or they present far leaning to the lung issues, yeah. then they're their one to our one to one to two day colds is like one to two weeks for them, and our flus are like a month for them. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of uh, children uh, that are in childhood illness. The um, the winter months are really challenging, and our immune systems are really compromised, and it's 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 debilitating at times. And uh, it happens with Sebastian. Um, you know, thank God this winter we're almost out of it. Hold on, let me find some wood. 
that he hasn't had a knockdown seizure where he was rendered helpless, where he couldn't, you know, walk or talk. And um, the, the, the medications really don't do much for him at that time because it's either a virus that really compromises and, and exacerbates his illness to, uh, to where it's hard for him to even like talk and shit. And, you know, right. you know, right. Marilax, we sh I should buy stock in that product. It's just, it's so <laughs> important for all of these, these horrible, uh, well, it's like a, it's like a catch 22. These, these medications, they help our children, but they really have these horrible side effects. And of course, as you know, one of them is like, you know, you can't go poop and uh, it's uh, it's not good because then the body, takes on that more bacteria and then we have another infection and we're just right back right. to square one. Exactly. Yeah. And that's really bad for Rebecca. That's the, that's the real danger. Um, one thing I, I didn't finish my thought last on the last one. So the first thing is that she, um, the first challenge for Rebecca during healthy times is the, is the bathroom that you just, the bathroom issue that you just uh, mentioned. The second one is that, and we're not sure if this is a medical, we need to bring this up to the CF clinic. Yeah. But she just much more irritable. Mm. So that's, you know, behavioral issues is another thing. So is it, do you think that's one. part of some of the medication as a side effect? Yeah, probably. On top of the fact that she has to spend a minimum of, what, one to two hours a day doing treatments? Yeah. And up, to, up to, so we give her a breathing treatment where all in all, it's like 30 to 40 minutes. And then um, for each one, and we do that twice a day when she's health, quote unquote healthy. And then um, when she starts coughing and it's more than, we think it's more than just something that a Claritin can fix or that it's more than just simple allergies, then we start ramping up the breathing treatments and we can go all the way up to six a day, every four hours around the clock. Wow. So is, uh, is CF associated with uh, compromised breathing? Uh, yeah, because that, that's ultimately what they die from if they're, if they're, if they're lung presenting, like if the symptoms are lung at all. Um, then they don't have to worry so much about the nutrition, like the nutrition is painful. But only if you're, my understanding is only if you really lean to the gastro side and you have minimal lung issues with it. Uh, if you have those strains, then you'll die from malnutrition because it just, it compounds and gets worse and worse. It's a degenerative disease. Yeah. But if you are in the middle or you present, or, or you're heavy leaning towards the lung, then what happens is, um, as you were mentioning earlier, they, they contract infections they can't be around anyone else that has CF, can't be within six feet because then they can give each other the bad bacteria that they have. Oh my God. And so what happens is, right, they contract something in their throat, uh, like MRSA or something like that. And then the doctors put them on an antibiotic. But earlier in life, the antibiotics wipe it out, but then they have a high chance every, every single time they have this issue, they have an increasing chance to, the body becomes immune to that medication, to that, um, to that uh, antibiotic and so then they, the doctors have to switch to another one and so the more times you get sick during your lifetime then the shorter your life expectancy becomes because ultimately what happens is and I, I think the I think it's greater now but when she was born the life expectancy on average was 30 to 40 so when you're you know 35 and you get sick and you've already become resistant or immune to most of the antibiotics, the doctors cycling through them, right, trying to find one that you're not immune to. And because of where the CF is, has brought you to, your lung function is so low that you can't breathe and you die. So Rebecca is, has a lot of stuff going on. 
Uh, we have a lot of medications. We got a lot of breathing treatments. We got a lot of other stuff going on that compromises her health. And right. is it just you, Stephen? Are you married? What do you do? Are you oh no, yeah, I'm married. Thankfully, yeah. Now, <laughs> I can't imagine. I don't, I don't even know how parents with perfectly normal, healthy children. I don't know how you single parent. Um, I uh, especially don't single parent if they have a child with <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast we'll get into that shit next yeah, time yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you do what do you do for work uh steven what, what's uh how, how do you do it are you constantly do you work from home because of the child or yeah so what we've done basically is my wife and i so we're both academics um we are both finishing up our respective phd programs and um well congratulations so we, yeah, um and so we basically what I do is about 90% of the time I spend uh, doing research and 10% of the time I have um, a small client base that um, I help them sort of connect with other uh, professionals, whether they're CPAs, attorneys, investment advisors, whatever it is. And so what I'll do is I'll write financial plans for them and I will connect them with the, and I'll bring in the appropriate uh, people who are licensed to sell or to deliver those particular services. Um, because there's usually a wide gap, right? If, if you go into and talk to an attorney, you're probably not going to understand half of what the attorney says just because you're not an attorney, right? You have, you've had no legal training. Same thing with tax and the CPA, same thing with investments and investment advisor. So well, one of the things I do is I'll be on the phone or I'll physically go and sit with the clients and I'll sort of kind of translate to them. Um, because a lot of these, a lot of people just, like I said, have no knowledge, no training in anything financial. And so, um, so what I'm, I'm essentially the trusted advisor. So they'll receive recommendations from all these different people and I'll sort of help the client go through those and make decisions and that type of stuff. So that's about 10% of my time. And like I said, the other, the overwhelming 90% of my time is spent researching uh, financial planning. Uh, specifically, um, I focus on fraud, misconduct, and financial services. That's great. So, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk to Stephen about uh, current relationships uh, in regard to having a special needs son when we come back right after these words. Today's podcast is sponsored by CSG Incorporated, the only personal consulting company that you'll need. Our passion is designed around helping others. With over 30 years of experience in a number of different industries, CSG can put you on the most efficient path of success. Our consultants will help you level up quickly, specializing in CBD, childhood illness, and addiction recovery areas, just to name a few. Call us today at 818-724-5987 to get your free 15-minute call. At CSG, we don't waste time. We create it. back with Stephen Lee, uh, father of a beautiful eight-year-old cystic fibrosis patient named Rebecca, also father to uh, Samson, age five, working from home. It's pretty much the only way a lot of us uh, families do it in the special needs community because uh, no one else really can do what we do. We can pay providers and we can you know, have uh, managers come in, as you would say. Um, would you say that it's uh, pretty financially stressful in your situation? 
yeah, it's really difficult. And we were doing fairly well before uh, before Rebecca came. And and I'm by no means blaming her. Right? She had she didn't choose to contract CF. None of us made that conscious. You sort of just find yourself in the situation, and you do the best that you can uh, to move your family forward. And sure. so, um, and so, yeah, it was difficult the first the first little bit because I was just um, I was in a, in a totally different world. I was studying uh, theology and philosophy, and then I found out about the same time that Rebecca, <coughs> excuse me, that we were finding out Rebecca was on the way. Mm. I found I discovered that there are no teaching jobs in humanities, really. And so that's one of the things I'm going for now is a faculty position um, in finance, financial planning. And it's still really difficult even in business, but I completely changed my field. Uh, my wife completely changed her field because for some reason, mathematics is in a similar boat. Um, you really want to get into, my understanding is you really want to get into the applied uh, math, whether that, that means going into science, uh, research, or going into business, which is what she did. So she went into economics and accounting and I'm in more finance, financial planning. Um, although I do the white collar crime stuff, so I'm kind of in there as well with criminal justice and whatnot. But um, but yeah, so it's financially, it's been it's been pretty tough. Um, it's very difficult. It's just you because what people usually don't understand is um, you know they may say things like or think things like oh why can't they get this together or why can't they afford that or this. So when you have a child like this, right? one of the two of you at least has to make the conscious decision not to be a full-time employee somewhere. So one of the two of you isn't going to work in the traditional sense. And so you have to run up the bat decide who that is. That's very true. So, That's very true. Yeah. You, you are like the 10th person in, in a different disease that has had people question them or challenge them as to why can't you get your shit together? Why right. can't pay for these things why can't you have a real job take care of your child i've got notes from fucking my ex-wife's uh new husband he's he's oh. a he's a real gem uh journey yeah. but the bottom line is that um it, it's it's financially stressful it's it, your your relationship with your wife is compromised all right. the time is going to help you with your child and you got the other sibling who's probably left out of the time um right. would you say that uh, life is a little bit hard at times, Stephen? Yeah, and it's, and really the, I guess the primary coping mechanism that we've, um, that we've come to adopt is, it's a, it's a, I learned this term in martial arts, but it's called economy of motion. Mm -hmm. So as you said, most of us work from home. Why? Because especially in Southern California, I don't want to commute two hours each way to a job. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> and so the more, and so people wonder at the, on the other end of the spectrum, people wonder how we're able to do everything. We get more of that. Fortunately, we get more of the sort of the wonder of how we're able to do all the things that we do um, more so than sort of the judgmental, oh, why can't you get it together? Um, and the answer to that is because if you're, <clears throat> if you're an average person in Southern California, you're probably commuting in an hour each way minimum, probably closer to two hours each way to your job. Well, that's four out. That's up to four hours a day that I don't that I can be doing other things that you're not doing. Or, Most or, people, or being friend, with your daughter, maybe, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That and that's about the extra time. Is <laughs> about four hours. That's extra. That's the extra time above and beyond having an eight-year-old. Just yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I'm able to do that because I'm not in a car, I'm not trapped in a car for four hours a day. So how does um. How does Samson get along with Rebecca? Are they friends or is there animosity? <laughs> <laughs> they like to 
fight a lot. Yeah, it's really tough. We recently had a, um, we recently started like a behavioral, I don't know what you call it, like a behavioral program. So sure. we have somebody over and work with him specifically um, for, for a few hours each day. And that's really helped because boys tend to mature slower than girls, right? And, and up to a certain point. And so you compound that with the fact that he's the second sibling and right and second siblings. I'm an only child, but my wife has told me she's one of four. She's the eldest. Um, but she has communicated to me that a lot of second siblings, you know, feel that they've been sort of uh, left out in the cold a lot of times. And so you have that going in that dynamic. So he's the younger sibling, his older one, older sibling has CF, has special needs. And so he, you know, he just feels that I think, even though it's, it's been difficult to communicate uh, with them, but he feels, I think a lot of the times that Rebecca gets special treatment, but we try you know, we even have like a second breathing treatment machine and sometimes because he has uh, bad allergies so sometimes we'll give him a breathing treatment and that sort of helps because he yeah. feels then more included in yeah. what's going oh. on but so we try to do strategies like that to make because yeah i'm sure i'm sure he feels left out and i'm sure he oh yeah you know, uh, uh Gage, my younger son um, um god bless his heart i mean he's so mature um mm -hmm. and he, he I, I'm pretty sure at times, I mean, he was on my podcast about a year ago about talking about, oh, and uh, he, he was very candid. He says, of course I feel left out. And of course I feel jealous at times, but as you get older and you start to see the, the reality of the situation that my brother may die, uh, you yeah. kind of have to like, you know, not only put up with it, but you kind of have to be a part of it. And um, we all are in therapy. I don't know if you guys are in therapy with a regular therapist, but we're just, we all just share everything. We just, we do fight. <laughs> you got three, yeah. you got three boys, you know, so, and being a single parent, then how do you do it all? I'm, I'm the youngest of four and um, my relationships with my siblings, they go up and down all the time. And I, and I have this idea that uh, time is more important than fighting. And I don't give a fuck to be honest with you. And I'm sure you feel the same way about life. It's like, I, there are so many other things that are more important. Uh, right. So I really don't have the, uh, the time or the capacity to get in your bullshit. So yeah, um, yeah. let me ask you this. Is there a cure for CF yet? No, there's not. Any therapies that are working towards maybe a potential cure? What's going on? Yeah, every, every so I, I want to say like every year to two years, there's a new meditation that comes out. Yeah. Um, it, it's sort of, I don't want to say it supplements the Creon because that's not really what it does. It, it basically, restores lung function although Rebecca's lung function is still really high um, it restores lung function it's um, it sort of they're getting closer and closer to the point where it will stop the degeneration Good. so they think fully what is before you get into like gene rewriting and that, all that type of stuff where you just write the disease out of the gene out, out of the genetic code yeah um, before we get to that point the thought is is that they're going to come out with medication that just stops the battle from like sliding downhill so basically she would have in, in that scenario she would take this medication which would replace one of the medications she's taking now and um and then her lung function would just stop going down solely so everything else would stay the same she'd still have to do the breathing treatments and everything else and that would be for day-to-day -day comfort mm -hmm. basically um, so that she wasn't constantly having breathing issues or constantly having to go to the bathroom um, or having tummy aches. 
Yeah. But it would stop the degeneration, which is really the first, that's really the first step. Because once you stop the degeneration, now they're on a normal life expectancy track. And then you can sort of, then you can, you can kind of slow down a little bit and focus on the genetic therapy or the genetic recoding. So I think, I think that's what their, their tack is. Yeah, I mean, uh, we are we are knee deep in gene therapy replacement research over here, as well as stem cells as, uh, and all their uh, enzyme replacement portals for the brain. Uh, there's a lot of great science coming out of these uh, these uh, companies. Uh, unfortunately, it's never fast enough. Um, so you you have a lot of stuff going on, Stephen. How do you how do you cope with your the, the amount of fear and stress you, you mentioned during martial arts. Is that true? No, I was, I was for a time and that's where I picked up the, the term. But uh, yeah, when I was growing up, I did that. No. And that's one of the things, right. Is that, is that something suffers. And, and that's one thing is I should probably, I need to exercise more than I do, but with, you know, trying to finish a PhD and working and having the, and having the, the stuff that I do for my daughter, it's really tough. Um, you know, we also, we socialize with friends, we, um, we go to church, we have, we have all these different things that we do. And so something it's, that's the, that's the hardest part is juggling everything. And so something usually gets left out. So it's really tough trying to incorporate that on top of everything else. Right. Like some people say, Oh, how, how, you know, they bathe their kids every, every day. We don't bathe our kids every day. That's just, that's one of the lowest things on the, on the priority list. They get a bath like <laughs> they dry out their skin, man. So <laughs> they need dirt. You need dirt, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, that's just one of the things, right? Is that it is you have to prioritize things, and yeah. you know, it, we don't, you know, so so if we don't get them to the dentist on the precise day or even the month that they're supposed to go to the dentist, it's it's like, well, you know, it's because Rebecca, if we once you hit the seventy-two hour mark without a breathing treatment, they immediately start to degenerate. Sure. So, we we in this in every area we really prioritize to our specific situation. Uh, mm -hmm. Our exactly. biggest our biggest thing is like it's a it's a byproduct of this, uh, which is seizures, which really yeah. fucking suck. And yeah, uh, if the body goes past you know three or four minutes, you know you have to immediately assume we have a little bit of brain damage and we have to fucking figure out how to stop. That's why we have rescue meds for, for opium and uh, push meds as they call them. Um, right. Hey, Steven, what, what would you say your motivation is? I think Rebecca herself is my motivation because I wasn't born with CF. Um, nobody other than Rebecca and nobody that I know personally was born with CF or anything like it. And so um, I'm very thankful. I think I've lived, I've, I've had a great life so far, um, all things considered. And sure. so I, I consider her to be my motivation because she, in a lot of respects, she acts like a normal kid. She plays, you know, we take them to an indoor playground a lot of days where they have, and that's, that kind of goes to the previous question as well of coping with it and how do we, how do we deal with it is uh, it's, it's about five minutes away drive. And so we go there and um, they have, they have a secured gate. And so you can work at a table while your kids are playing on this huge indoor playground. So we get a lot of our work done by doing that. And so, um, yeah, I'm just very thankful that, 
that I didn't have to go through something like that. And it's and it's pretty amazing to see her because Rebecca knows she'll ask us questions and we're very frank. The other night she asked me, because um, I usually put her to bed at night, the other night she asked me, um, not in so many words, but she asked me like what the life expectancy is for somebody like her. And I told her and she kind of freaked out a little bit. Um, she always waits until bedtime to ask me these questions, right? These soul searching. <laughs> <laughs> the day. I have to wait until right, to, right before they go to sleep. Uh, and I told her we're doing everything that we can. And there's a lot of people that are on that are in our corner um, that are coming out with better medicines and um, and what have you. And so she's, you know, she, um, yeah, it's kind of weird. I think she she thinks about death and dying a lot more than most kids probably her age do. Yeah. Um, and she's a fact about it. And so it's that really sort of forces you to focus on the present. And that's what we do is, like I said, we have our plans, but, um, you know, and there, and there are things you, I think you just have to, in all aspects of life, you have to be ready for whatever is the next step and you have to be ready for it. Um, and again, another martial arts um, analogy is the best weapon that there is, is the one that you don't have to use, but you're, that you're ready to use. Sure. So you will, right, whether, whether it's battling with an agency like IHSS or Social Security or whether it's, um, you know, whether it's trying to struggle with like daycare or schools or whatever it is, you always have the next step because you assume the worst, right? You hope for the best and you assume the worst. Sure. And when you do, you, you assume that, you know, you assume that someone's going to be difficult and that, and that their decision is not going to go your way. And so you have something back, you have, you have the backup. Okay, they're going to probably say this or they're going to do this, so I'm going to, in response, do that. And then you just stop once things go your way. That's kind of how the, you know, that's kind of the process. Uh, it's, it's, it's very true. I mean, you have to be prepared, I think, uh, for the next shoe to drop. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. a lot of these children, as they get older and they, they talk to their friends in school, and, and a lot of these kids... They don't have the best skills. I'll refrain from calling names, but uh, they do tease and they do ask, yeah. you know, it prompts these questions. I get the questions at night from that. I don't know why at night, but yeah, <laughs> we're getting ready for bath time. We're going to bed. It's like, so like, am I going to die? I'm like, yeah, you're going to die. I don't know when, you, you know, we're all going to die, but right. it's unfortunate. So going uh, into the end of this interview, uh, what are you currently doing today, Stephen? For your special needs person, uh, you got a, you have a website that we can go to. Do you have an upcoming fundraiser? Do you have any uh, words of wisdom for other CFF, uh, CF families out there? Where can we plug for you? Sure. So we, um, my wife and I are part of something that's called Pathfinder Society. And it's an organized, it's not the Pathfinders. It's that's slightly different. It's not the little kids, like, yeah. you know, boys, nothing. That's not what it is. It's, um it's a gaming society. So it's, it's a role-playing game organization. It's kind of like Adventures League is for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and so we're, we're, we volunteer for that. And so every year we have, we participate in what's called Extra Life. And so we designate uh, Children's Hospital, um, whether it's Orange County or Los Angeles or, or whatever it is. So we designate uh, Children's Hospital usually as the recipient of our group's effort to raise money. So that's the big, that's like the big fundraiser every year that we do. Cool. Um, yeah, we game. The, the, the idea is to game as much of in a 24 hour period as possible and raise money. And yeah, and so Extra Life is, you can just, I think it's just extralife.org. I'm trying to remember the exact website, but it's, you can Google it. It's pretty, 
pretty and, apparent. We we do that usually for the fundraising. And when is, when is that next event going to happen, Stephen? Yeah, it's always the beginning of November. Okay. Um, we're we're going to try at a at a gaming convention in September. We're going to also try to to do something for Extra Life because you can technically do it year round, but the one day is usually like this last year. I think it was November third, but I don't know. In twenty twenty, it looks like it's going to be. Um, what is that? It's probably going to be on the, because it's usually a Saturday. So I'm guessing, I haven't looked it up, but on 2020 this year, I think it's going to be on the 7th of November, because that's a Saturday, I believe. I imagine that, that a lot of these, uh, these Comic-Cons or cons would be interested in talking to you guys about that, because they could really get into that. I, I loved right. playing as a child. I played Dungeons and Dragons pretty much uh, four times a week at my friend's house, going through K through seven. Right. Yeah dating myself but i'm just saying uh, i think it's a really cool concept so let me ask you this before we uh bounce out of here Stephen. if you had to describe rebecca in three words what would they be energetic headstrong optimistic awesome our children are usually the best people in the room to actually draw that energy from i know i do so Stephen lee i appreciate your time talking to us today about your daughter rebecca it sounds to me like you got a great family there and, and a lot of support that's uh it's a lot different than a lot of people so yes i agree with you you're very lucky and very grateful and uh Unfortunately, cystic fibrosis is uh, not going anywhere soon, but we do appreciate you coming on and sharing some information. And if you want to hear more about uh, Stephen Lee's story, you can always look down in the credits and we will get you to him right away. And you guys can have your own private chat. So we want to thank you, Stephen, and thank all the listeners today listening to the Project Sebastian podcast. And check us out next time as we talk to another family going through their own struggles. So with that, I thank you. Until next time, everybody, have a great day. Hey, thanks for listening again to another great episode of the Project Sebastian podcast. We do appreciate all of the people out there listening. Do us a favor, would you? Let's keep it alive by sharing this episode with another person, family, or a caregiver that may need this important information. Remember, connections are key, and you just never know who needs to hear some really great stuff. If you ever wanted to be a guest on the show, please drop us a line at info at projectsebastian.org and let us know what you're all about. Once again, thank you for listening for the Project Sebastian podcast. We'll see you next time, everybody. Thank you.